Hi, welcome to Vaguely Music. My name is Kelsey Jacobson. I'm the owner of Double Bar Music. And I'm Ryan Strumpler. I'm the assistant manager. And we are bringing you our first episode of this new podcast, Vaguely Music, which will be vaguely music related and released every Wednesday. Um, we're going to be dealing with topics from, uh, you know, favorite bands, favorite instruments, funny gigging experiences to things that are inherently a little bit more serious, like how to start uh, building and packaging yourself throughout your career, um, you know, working on the issues of being in a band, collaborating with other musicians, how to network with other musicians, um, all sorts of interesting topics along that line, and then we'll see where they go. And hopefully we'll be bringing in some guests, uh, teachers at Double Bar, um, outside industry professionals who can contribute their knowledge and their experience to maybe help you guys, our listeners, on your way. Um, so that is kind of what our goal is here. Um, you want anything? Anything you want to add to that general concept that I missed? So we're going to be going on long tangents talking about these subjects because the genesis of this is Kelsey and I were staying late talking about all of these topics um, branching from serious to funny, loose, and we'd always stay after with a couple friends. And <clears throat> some of the stuff we would talk about had significant value. And so we thought we might as well just throw a couple microphones in front of it. So we'll give a, an umbrella of a topic and we'll let it go where it needs to go. And <clears throat> I believe it'll lead to some very interesting and sometimes enlightening and sometimes very funny conversations. Agreed. And I'd like to say, so a big thank you to our man, Jack Pasternak. Jack is, in the back! <laughs> yes, currently behind the camera, doing the magical putting together of whatever this ends up being. Yeah. Um, so that, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, I think, kind of get started on a concept that popped up today in conversation with, with someone I met with. Um, and I think it's a good premise for what we do at Double Bar Music and and sort of why we do what we do and why we continue to invest time in this industry. And um, one of the things that we ended up talking about was uh, the way musicians have sort of been trained to think of themselves and and how we value ourselves or how we treat ourselves when we identify as being musicians, um, which is kind of a it's it's kind of a dense concept to break down, um, and I think it comes from from years of obviously media because that's what we do is media, um, and years of a music industry that's been set up a very particular way. So um, that's kind of where we'd like to start because I think for those of you who are just getting to know us, you'll kind of get a standpoint from from where we teach, how we teach, what our priorities are when we teach, and what we hope to translate. Yeah, I'm, I can actually speak. Um, I had a personal experience with this. When I was first picking up the guitar around like 10 or so, it was because I wanted to play like my favorite music. And then around 13, I started getting really serious and studying music at a pretty high level with some awesome teachers. Um, started getting into other instrumentation and arranging. 
Originally, I grew up playing rock music because that's where you hear the most guitar. And then I got into some more extreme music, like some pretty heavy metal from the 80s. And then from that, you kind of branch out to other subgenres that aren't as popular. And I came up right at the advent of social media and YouTube, which I think changed the game drastically on how you view yourself yeah. and how you put out your content. Yeah. Uh, and then I went to school and studied music, and it was fantastic. But along the way, I realized that how musicians make money always feels like it was split into two camps. There was for entertainment and for art. And never the two shall meet until pretty recently where people have, have kind of put their foot down in the local level. Now, on the national level, it's a little different. But on the local level, you start to see artists being putting their foot down and saying, look, I want to make art for some kind of substantial living. I want to be able to pay my rent and like put food in my stomach, but I don't want to just be entertainment. I want there, and there's nothing wrong with playing music for entertainment. If that's what you want to do, there's validity. But the two camps shouldn't have to exist on separate worlds. And I think we live in an era now where before people always talk about how music is is downloaded or, or streamed and you don't make money because of CDs. But what they don't bring up is the fact that recording used to cost tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And now you can set up your own recording station for significantly cheaper and make your own music. So the market is flooded with local level musicians. Hmm. And there's this, this tense, I want to say split between the side of like, okay, well, I have to play like entertainment. I got to do top 40 stuff to make a living or I'm going to be an artist and I'm going to have a side job. And that was the tough thing about getting out of college in this era is I grew up really wanting to play the music that I loved, but understanding that it was tougher to make a living, but starting to see that like you can still make a living. You know, I start, there's more original venues than, than I remember there being, but on the flip side, there's a ton of bands now. Like with social media, there's a ton. Well, I think inherently what this goes to and what I think the biggest disconnect in our our culture and and that is slowly shifting, funny enough, because of things like YouTube, um, but in a weird way, is that <clears throat> there's a general sense of not being worthy and not being ready. I am not good enough. I am not prepared enough. I am not capable enough. I am not experienced enough. I am not connected enough. There's a general sense of feeling not able to do this. Now, I think that is a trend that has been set in place a while ago when you're thinking about things like the the kind of falling music industry and how it functioned. Um, when you're looking at, you know, talent scouts going out and saying, oh, you're good enough, I'll take you. You're good enough, I'll take you. You're good enough, I'll take you. And I think there's an inherent built-in self-judgment that musicians have have started to embrace and made kind of hectic. So if if that's entrenched in us, how we approach making art and and collaborating and networking and and searching for gigs and searching for for opportunities is strongly influenced and limited to some extent because we aren't so 
proactive because we do not think that we are capable of being that proactive. We think we need somebody else to tell us that we are ready and we're prepared and it's okay that we go write our own music because now you're good enough to do that. Or it's okay to be in a tribute band because now you're good enough to do that. We're always waiting on that external approval to do something. And I think, you know, a little bit tangent here, but I think the people that make it and find success aren't the people who are necessarily the most skilled or necessarily the best at what they do, but they are the people that are capable of not listening to that. And they haven't, they haven't drank that lemonade. Yeah. And I do think too, the, the downside to social media is how fast on a global level, national level, we churn through phases. I think at this point we churn through phases, bands, artists, the next thing we're chased after. So there's this pressure for being insanely young that like you have to have it all together there's this mindset, I, I think, that if, if I don't have it by this, then I'm not going to do it. And I don't have it like self-imposed deadlines when if you the, think the about it. The 27? Yeah. If you have it, is it, it's so 27, if you pass right? by 20, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You have to be a rock star pass by 27 after 27. And that's so ridiculous because if you think of yourself as a musician for life, if you don't play the music for two weeks, music for two years, well, if I don't make it by 21, if I don't make it by 25, if I don't make it by 30, if you think of it by... I'm playing, I'm in the music for the long run, your timeline blows up. And if you're looking for that immediate, like, response of like, well, I have to make it, there's like this self-imposed pressure that when you don't, you think it's because the quality of your art might not be. And, you know, you can always keep practicing, but it might not be the quality of your art. It might be like everything else in time. It just takes more time. That these self-imposed limits that I think have been brought up more and more pressured by social media are absolute bologna. Well, and I don't know that I would even attribute it to social media. I think it, I think it backs up farther than that because I think the, the current trend of pop music and the, has always been young and by a certain time, by a certain age, or in a certain way, or with a certain look because that's, that's how it's been set up for a long time. And I think that's what's beautiful about the current sort of grassroots benefit of social media is that everybody has access and everybody, I mean, the more determined you are, the more unwilling you are to listen to, ah, yeah, I don't know. I, I just give it up. You might be done now. Or, ah, oh, you've been doing that for a long time. Why are you still doing that? The less willing you are to listen to that, that limitation and put it and accept that voice, the more likely you are to find success because you're looking for success and your attitude is that of being ready for it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It's it's an interesting time right now. The one thing I would say too is for the people who are wondering what I need to do to start playing music, to have some kind of career, to be able to pay your rent or, or do something with music, is I would say the best thing to do is to just start doing things. Yeah. Like the same, I think about music the same way that I think about how I learned to speak or how I learned to ride a bike. How did I learn to ride a bike? Like I just rode a bike. You just did it yeah. and you fell and you kept trying and you just kept going and you had support and guidance and they, then you're, you know, 
whoever pushed you and you started to be able to do it on your own and you just did it. How you learned to speak is you just surrounded yourself with people who could speak and then you fumbled out some words and you put together some words and then and then you just kept growing by doing. So the best thing you can do by if I want to do something with music, how do I want to push my band? How do I want to grow as a musician? How can I study theory? How can I put myself out there? The best way to do it is just by doing it. You'll figure it out. So much of today, because of the access of the information, you get trapped. Well, do I do this? Should I do this? Should I do that? The best thing to do is just to do. You'll figure it out later. You, My old teacher always used to tell me, action spurs motivation, which I think is fundamentally true. You do, and then you get inspired by what you started to do. Yeah. You don't just suddenly sit there and get inspired. Yeah. Yeah. You have to do something, and you don't get to judge whether it's the right or wrong thing. In fact... Your mother, Marcel, would always say, um, Kelsey's mother, Marcel, was my college professor, which is how I got to Double Bar. That's a, another podcast story. <laughs> uh, but she would always say, you can't be the performer and the critic at the same time. And I think about that in life in general. You can't be doing actions and criticizing yourself at the same time. Yeah. And I think, so I think that's something that's been very internalized in the culture of, of musicianship and art generally, but definitively that performing music art because it is performance-based because there is an audience which inherently has created that sense of judgment right so so why choose this as the first thing because it's like oh this is borderline kind of dark and weird um, <laughs> but the reason i think that this is an important thing to start with right off the bat for what we're doing here at vaguely music um is that at Double Bar, we have strived from the moment we opened the door to change that dialogue. And the way you really change that dialogue on a big level so that it's not so much of an issue in the world is you start with the upcoming generations of people who are going to be the music makers. And if you are doing that then as they come into the world and they start making craft their own craft and, and start developing their voice as an artist and as a musician you have created and helped helped influence a group of people who see the world differently um and that is how you can really change an industry and I think, I think it's an industry that needs to be changed and adjusted in that way because so when we approach each student, right, it's, it's not about necessarily are you ready. It's about what can we do to make you feel ready? What can we do to make you feel confident in, in your playing to take these chances and take these opportunities and, and do what needs to be done? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the first thing that whenever I have a student, <clears throat> the first thing I always ask them is that, what do you want out of this? And then any answer is acceptable. I don't know is an acceptable answer. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm here. So let's just do it and I'll figure it out once my hands are making music. Yeah. That's an acceptable answer. Yeah. I want to. And the thing about music, too, and about this part is it's malleable. You can come in wanting to learn how to play a couple chords and then love the idea of writing your own songs. You can come in and want to learn some music theory 
and realize that you just want to be able to play songs by ear. You can come in and want to be a solo artist and then come out and be like, I love the idea of collaborating in bands or vice versa. Yeah. You can work in, you can come in and be like, I want to learn how to be in a band and then look around and be like, I think I work better when I'm on my own or there's a kind of set hierarchy and that's okay. Like things are malleable. But the first thing that I always want to know with my students is what do you want out of this? What's, what's the end game? Because and then how can very, we and how can we facilitate your right. confidence in doing that so that you understand that it's 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 not about oh I'm not ready oh I'm not ready oh I'm not ready I'm not good enough I'm not ready I'm not good enough it's it's about like yeah okay I'm willing to try that oh I'm gonna try that oh I'm gonna try that and a it's okay to try something and fail yeah oh yeah it's actually how you learn that you either want to try again or not or or you learn how to do it better. And in a way that you're feeling like you are improving, not recovering from failure, which is a, a very different mindset to approach doing something. Yeah. For, for a group of people who are prided to be pretty out there, artists can be pretty conservative in how they're feeling because what their content is created is usually judged at a different level because it's judged at a core like what you create, if people think, like if I play a show and I do well, people will come up to me and talk to me like I'm a good person, regardless if I, I am or not, because they liked what I did. And if I don't, if they don't like what I do, then they're going to judge me accordingly. So as an artist, you kind of have to wear your heart on your sleeve. The end game is to accept that you still have value whatever you bring and other people might not gravitate towards it, but that's okay because if you put out what's true to you, everything else will line up. And I know that sounds pretty cliche, but if you can kind of put yourself in that mindset where you're like, I'm just making this, like not selfishly, where it's like, forget everybody else I'm with or whatever, but it's like, hey, this is what I really feel. This is the place I need to be. Like, I need to do this. This is, I'm going to give my all. Then you can walk away being like, yeah, people didn't like it, but like I did the best I could and I created an island. And I'm not dependent on that person's approval yes. because I haven't been mentally accepting that as my norm. Right. I am here for me, doing me, enjoying my process. And when I sort of collect my group of people that see eye to eye with what I have to offer, great. But if it don't and it takes longer, that's also okay too. Yeah. And I actually feel like the way to, if you really want to get better at music faster, take a second and like drive around or take a walk and wonder what you want. Because if you keep listening to what other people say about what you're, you're doing, you're going to go down an infinite feedback loop where you're going to be working on stuff that you don't really like and spending a lot of time doing things that don't really matter to you. Whereas... If you work on the stuff you want to work on, you're going to see tangible results fast and then you're going to work with at speed. Like not like fingers fast speed or anything, but you're going to you're going to have a driving speed where you're like, "Oh, I know what I want. I know what needs to be done." And then you're going to wipe away all the other stuff. Whereas if you're constantly doing stuff because it's it's the praise of other people, you're going to get in an infinite loop because one day you might not you know, I really think you should go X, Y, and Z in this direction. Or, you know, maybe you should. And then you go down there and then you end up in a place that's just not you. And then you're working really slow because you don't like what you're doing. 
You're not investing time in it. And that's music is something and Kelsey can attest to this. We've all seen people. Music is something you can burn out on, mm-hmm. on so many levels, teaching, performing, arranging, like on any level, music is a burnout sport. Yep. And that being said, I think, you know, this kind of is a nice segue into that, that follow up concept of, of collaboration and going solo, right? Because this is all about sort of your, your, your personal journey, journey as a musician and how that fits into the world around you. Right. So, um, all this being said, there is a difference between being confident and being cocky. Right. So the best in that and that takes practice no one's gonna walk that line perfectly we all mess it up and and i watch my students mess it up and actually as a sign of growth i there's a um from years of of running performance programs now we get people in who who are just like wide-eyed and like wow i never knew i could make music with other people this is amazing and then and then you see this huge spike in growth because they're just taking in something new and different and because i i hope that the environment that we set up which is very open arms and good. we're wicked good at what we do wicked good <laughs> and super humble <laughs> so humble wicked humble um but I think we we do a pretty decent job of setting up a place where it's great to take chances, it's great to try new things. It's, you know, we try to instill a strong sense of confidence. I always take it as like, yay, and also sad when I see someone who came in new, progressed really rapidly over the course of a couple sessions, and then all of a sudden the balance tips and they start getting a cocky a little over over pushy and that is a sign of growth so it's not a bad thing which is why i'm so happy to see it because that means they're becoming much firmer in their concept of who they are and what they're doing and what they want that being said you can't ever tip to the point where you you're not conscious of the world around you because music is not something that happens in a bubble. No. So so being able to communicate with other people, being able to share ideas with other people, if you find that you can't do that, I hate to tell you that you should take a long, hard look in the mirror and probably see why that is. Because if everyone you run into, you have a hard time collaborating with, yeah, that's not them at that point. And that's okay. That's part of the process of figuring out who you are and what you want and becoming clearer. But but there is a line that is, okay, at some point it is, you have to be able to communicate that to the bigger musical world. And that, that takes practice and skill. So I, we're just painting a big picture here of why we don't want to go so far down the road where it's like, you, 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 all you, you every day, you, because it's not that. Yeah. So. And I think, the the idea of going solo or being in a band is like what you what makes sense for for your goal because the point of this is of talking about all this stuff is that is like what what is your what is it in your head that you'd like to see like what is the stuff you daydream or when you're like driving around or thinking about like what's the end goal and how can you get there I have buddies that so a bass player in one of my first bands and the Goodfellas like the movie, 
Um, his name is is Rob Hamill, and he he was a great bass player, and he's like one of my best friends. And about like three years ago, he just said, "Yeah, I'm not a bass player in a rock band. I'm a singer songwriter." Sold his bass, sold his bass amp, bought like I love it. Bought an acoustic guitar, <laughs> and he loves Ed Sheeran. He loves Iron and Wine, and so he loops his own setup. And he learned how to sing. He started writing his own songs. He just was like, yeah, Ryan, like the vision in my head had nothing to do with bass anymore, had nothing to do with being in a band. I work really well as a singer songwriter. Like that's what I hear in my head. That's always the music that really hit home for me. And so this stuff changes and that's fair. And not everybody's going to be like Rob, but I always use him as an example because one day he just looked around and he went, no, 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 no. This isn't what makes me happy. I'm like 95% happy with music. I need to be 100% happy. If I'm going to be doing music, I need to be, not every day is going to be magical. Oh man. But like you should wake up in the morning being like, I can't believe I get to do this. Yeah. I can't believe I've got a show tonight. Yeah. I can't believe I've got rehearsal. I can't believe I teach. Yeah. Like that should be the attitude towards music. Like I can't believe it. I'm blessed. Like I'm blessed because I either love writing songs by myself or I'm blessed because I love collaborating or I'm blessed because I get to be up on stage and I love the adrenaline rush of being up on my bandmates. Like that should be the attitude. And he looked around and he said, that's not what I have. Yeah. So yeah. let's make a drastic change. And, and not everybody needs to be drastic change. I myself have never worked well in the solo role. I've always struggled really hard because um, it's not natural to me. I don't function well there. Like, yeah. I mean, I can do it. It's okay. You kind of learn, you train yourself. But I like, and I knew this from the moment I picked up the guitar. I've always been the guy to like text friends and hang out and be the one to make plans. So it made sense to be in bands. Like it was just binary. It was like, oh, I love making plans with my friends. Oh, I love kind of like leading up on these journeys and being with people I love. Oh, I love collaborating on the night. Like it just makes sense to be in bands. That that was, it was binary. That would, for but I knew me though, so so it made right. sense. And that's the big thing. So like, how does point A connect to point, point B, right? So if you have the valuing of yourself as a musician, what you have to bring in the moment, right? So if you have that piece and that will clearly define where you're at in your musical journey of, I love playing in bands. I love that that energy of being able to feed off other human beings as we're making music. And I want to find other human beings that feed off that same concept. Now, here's where the confidence can turn into cockiness, which is if it's all you all the time and yet you want this collaborative concept, you're gonna have a really hard time. Yeah. You're gonna have a really hard time because you have left no space in your idea. So what you want is, is, is you want a solo career, but with lots of people. And that's possible if you're willing to pay those musicians a lot yeah. of money to just show up and, and play your stuff. Totally possible. But that's a reality because they are also artistic, creative people as well, right? So so if you go in in that mindset, they will be your hired guns. And, and if you pay them accordingly, they'll do what you want them to do. But if you're trying to go into a band or go into a group situation where you're collaborating and trying to, sh trying to bounce ideas one off the other and do what needs to be done, you have to be confident in what you want and what your your visions are and who you are and what you bring to that collaboration 
which means that you are confident that other people are also able to do that. And it takes a lot of people who are very, very um, balanced in, yeah. in how they approach music. So one of the nice things about if you want to be a solo artist is one of the nice things that you don't get as much in bands is I got buddies who love the idea of playing with different people every weekend. That's what makes yeah. them happy. And if you're a solo artist, you can hire, let's say you want to, you're like a guitar player, singer, songwriter, and you want like a keyboard player and a rhythm section. Well, you, if you want, you can hire new people every gig because they'll come in, you, you tell them what the pay is. They, they're like, okay, great. And you sell, you send them the songs you want to play. They'll come in and you can have different people and it'll be new and interesting every night. And bands, you can't really do that because you're saying, hey, these three, these four, these five, these six people is it. We're going to try to glue this together. We are co-creators so, in so, whatever process to whatever extent. And so the singer, the, not the singer-songwriter, the solo artist, because you can be solo and be whatever you want. It doesn't have to be singer-songwriter. It yeah. can be anything. You get this. There is Sometimes there's a looseness. There's an energy that you don't get in bands because... There's this fun, oh, I haven't played with this person in a while. Or, I've never played with this drummer. The bass player just recommended him. We'll see how this gig goes. And there's a lot of fun to that. Which also requires the same amount of, of you got to know what you're about. You have to know your own worth. You have to be willing to put it out there in a very different way, in a very, in a very blatant way. Yeah. Because it's, it is you. I mean, at that point, it is you. And, and... And I think that's, I feel like that's, that's why it's so important that we start that sort of reprogramming of how people see themselves when they're, when they're young, when they're coming in, when they're walking in and they're, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10 and up. And, and if they just function that way and they learn to live in that world of art that way, I think, I think that will become easier and easier and easier and less something that we have to sit here and and talk about and and recommend and watch people's eyes go oh right yeah so if i had one thing to kind of to kind of wrap this up and yeah. to say is i would say anybody who's wondering what what they when they know they want to play music but they're unsure what they want to do i would say look at your life look at what makes you happy are you the kind of guy that loves to be the silent guy in the group text and you just show up there and you're a go with the flow well you might like you might like being in a band, but you might like being the backseat driver, because all bands need somebody who will kind of keep the peace, who everybody can rely on and look around and go, oh well, when that person says something, it means something because they don't speak up a lot. So when they say something, it really impacts, right? Maybe you're the guy that you're like, I love collaborating, but I want my buddies with me, and I'm very open. Like look at look at what you do in your day to day life. And that should, and not what you do in your day to day, but what you want to do in your day to day. What makes you happy when you function with other people? Yeah. <clears throat> and that should unfold what you want pretty easily. It's pretty glaring because, you know, who you are in your honest moment, and I truly believe most people are good, who you are in that moment will unfold what you want to do with music. Music is not some separate entity in life. It is you. It is your personality it bleeds into your music. Yeah. So just take a look at who you are and, and who you want to be and what you like about yourself. And then look around and be like, yeah, this would be, I would be the perfect guy to plug in because I just want to play any music. I'll play anybody's music. I just want to be in a, a something where I just plug in and I just rock out 
And then you can be in bands or you can be in solo artists where like just gigging with them where people go, oh, I can't wait to play with that person because all they want to do is just have a killer time. Yeah. There's no agenda. And there's a lot of value to that. There's a lot of value. Yeah, agreed. So moral of the story is that's what we're trying to do. We hope you'll go with us on that journey. Yeah. And uh, we're going to we're gonna wind this up, I think. We're getting close to that, that mark right now. And... Uh, we are going to end with some fun facts, I guess. All right. So I grew up in the Netherlands real quick. I grew up in the Netherlands. I was five. I I had my first, we used Gilders. This was back in the 90s. Gilders and denim. Um, and my mother gave me about like five Gilders and I, had, I was able to go buy my first record. Gilders is money. Gilders is like uh, Dutch money before the euro. Ah, okay. Um, so everything changed. <laughs> In 2000s. Um, <clears throat> so I had five guilders and I walked into the store and I was five and I was with my sister and she bought some boy band named Five, which was like the European Backstreet Boys. <laughs> and Five is the magic number. And I went in and I bought my first single, the first thing I ever bought. And it was the Venga Boys, We Like to Party. Yes! As a oh! single. And it had two tracks. The three tracks. It had the Venga Boys, We Like to Party. It had the Venga Boys, We Like to Party extended mix. And then the Venga Boys, We Like to Party instrumental. Oh, that was God. the first thing. I can tra oh. trace my music musical lineage back to that moment when I was five wandering in that record store. And now whenever you hear anything Ryan plays, you'll hear just, just a hint of the Venga Boys. Yeah. It's sad note. I, when I grew up, both of my brother and I, Bleach Blonde. Bright, bright Naturally? blonde hair. Yeah. No. Then it just changed around when uh, when we moved to California. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so I think the first the first CD I bought. <laughs> Enough with that hair. <laughs> I think the first CD I bought. Okay, so I the first CD I got, which was not a purchase of my own, was definitely the Funky White Honkies, <laughs> which. <laughs> Which is a local band. <laughs> they, they were they they're actually a lot of fun. And they the, okay, so the cool thing about the Funky White Honkies is <laughs> is that they were like a thirty person band. They were not like a big band, but they were a thirty person band. And it was just whoever showed up to the gig. Isn't that awesome? It's awesome. And they were known as a party band. So they still actually play every once in a while. They'll have a gig and they'll take over a local venue, the Narrows, and they'll um they'll take over. And it's just like, it's I wanna say it's it's almost like Grateful Deadish. Not not the music. Not the music. Don't if you're a deadhead, don't go look up funky white honkies, you'll be disappointed. But <laughs> but the concept of like just like dancing and general partying and just happiness and joy and it, it, that that was my first CD. Very similar to what the Venga Boys brought. <laughs> All right, on uh, that note. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, I'm Kelsey Jacobson. I'm Ryan Strumpler. This is Vaguely Music, and we will see you next week.